Father, we pray that this word of yours will go deep into our spirits. We ask you to supernaturally speak to us this morning. A word of encouragement, a word of truth, a word that brings life. In the name of Jesus. So we discovered that we can all meditate because if we can worry, we already are meditating. We're just meditating on things that could go wrong. And one of the things we learn as we begin to know the character of God is meditate on the character of God. That the character of God is what is our hope in the midst of struggle. Have you settled yet that life is unfair and that life doesn't always work out, as Tish described in her testimony? Have we settled that life has all kinds of ups and downs? Because if our lives are rooted in our circumstances and our circumstances determine our happiness, we're going to spend most of our time unhappy. Because life happens in all kinds of ways. So the hope that uh, we're talking about this morning is a hope that transcends circumstance. Many people don't deserve the hardship they go through. Many people don't deserve the blessings they have. If you try and link the dots and you walk alongside people long enough, you will see that. Because often people say, why, why, why? And at the end of the day, I certainly go, I don't know. Many times. But we're not helpless and we're not hopeless. But we need one another to be able to actually experience hope. It was uh, something I read, I think it was this morning actually, where somebody said, um, there are many people who like the idea of God, they just don't like Him. And what they meant was it's easier to talk about the God of hope than actually know the God of hope or the God of love and to know, you know, to know the God of love. It's a... It's one of those things that uh, it's, it's, it's knowing the presence of God and all his fullness that is what is powerful. So when the leadership went away, or the, they weren't just leaders, it was open to everyone uh, who wanted to. They went to Thetis Island and spent a weekend together. They came up with this idea of the church being like a boat and uh, people in the boat rowing. And... Uh, as a metaphor for where they wanted to go as a church as we were transitioning into a new season. And they were very intentional about saying we want some things in the boat and some things out of the boat. And that what is out of the boat are things that are, are heavy, they are, are wearisome, they are negative, and what's in the boat are things that are constructive. So if you meditate on the picture, one of the thing, things we see is that those, ro- those oars are all going in one direction. You go to the Oxford Cambridge uh, boat race, you will see them all rowing, and guess who's in charge of the rowing? Cox. <laughs> That's what he's called. The person who calls out the time. They don't stop and say, I don't feel like rowing right now. You never see any of those where one person's resting, they're all working. And actually, if you meditate on that picture, you don't see anybody who's not got an oar. So the success of this church and the success of any church is totally dependent on the participation of the people in the boat. 
We've talked about this before, but the, the person who's coming in uh, to be the interim pastor, whoever's coming, their success is entirely dependent upon the participation of the people here. And so one of the things that uh, the people at that weekend left behind was uh, that I'm going to major on the positive and then acknowledge some of the things they said they didn't want in the boat. And this week we're going to, I'm just looking at uh, apathy and rigid, rigidity. Apathy is whatever. Whatever. I don't care. It doesn't even sound nice to say it. Whatever. It's depressing. Hopeless is like apathy. It's like whatever. Have you ever been there? It's not fun, is it? The kind of despair I give up. I've tried this before. We've been here before. How many times? There's some of you here this morning, and I say you, I usually include me actually, but there's some of you here this morning where something that's going to be spoken today about hope is going to go right into your spirit because you're feeling whatever. It's not because you're depressed. It's not because you don't believe. It's just because you don't. It never changes. And hope is something that God will give us in those moments where it never changes. If my circumstance never changes, then what hope do I have? What can I do? If my circumstance never changes, then the only change possible is in me. I was absolutely intrigued by the uh, reports and the stories of Shackleton when he went to the South Pole. And I read all the material and I, I looked at the DVDs about Shackleton's journey who went to the South Pole. He never got there. He went three times. And his, the greatest epic was when he went down there and, the, and they, lost their, they lost their boat in the, uh, in the ice floe. And he and his men uh, sat on that ice floe. I, I think it was a year and a half or something. And they, they took what they could and they pushed these lifeboats across and then they eventually got to a place called Elephant Island. And uh, then a few of them went from Elephant Island, including Shackleton, right back to the... I can't remember the names. I, didn't, I wasn't thinking of saying this today, so I didn't look at it. My point being that he was a man who knew how to bring hope into a situation that was hopeless. And day by day, they kept on, they played games, they, they, they kept their spirits up. And he ended up taking three expeditions to the Antarctic and he never lost a man. Whereas some of the others went there and they died when they could have lived. How we turn up and how we begin to show up in helpless or hopeless situations is the key. And sometimes we need other people to show up alongside us to help us. And that's what the church is meant to be. It's meant to be a community where people gather together and will never jump ship when it gets hard. What's the problem about being in a boat? Unless you walk on water, you're stuck in it. Or you have a mutiny and try and take it over. And that's why I say that hope is more powerful in the midst of hopelessness um, Grace is more powerful in the midst of other alternatives. It just shines brighter.
So who needs hope? And why do you feel hopeless right now? Let's meditate on hope. I'm feeling hopeless because my circumstances aren't changing. I'm feeling hopeless because my relationship doesn't change. I'm feeling hopeless because things that I hoped for aren't coming to be. Well, face it. And what I mean by face is just acknowledge it. You know, don't do this I'm fine bit when I'm not. How do we walk alongside one another when we want to talk about our hopelessness? Or do we interrupt somebody and just say, but God has it all in his hands, just believe. Don't you find that irritating? I do. Because why why it's irritating is because you don't care. Let me speak it out and then you can speak into me. How do we care for one another? How do we breathe hope into one another? I went to Vancouver. Last week I went with a friend to see uh, Ed Sheeran. He's quite remarkable actually as a musician. You don't know who he is, do you? Never mind. Um, but my point is that I, I went in this, you know, the little plane uh, from Sea Air and as I got in and I, I usually, if I go I often sit in the, the, the you know, the uh, pilot's, the, the jump seat they call it. And as I got in the jump seat I heard the pilot say he wasn't feeling very well. And so I thought, oh, great. So sure enough, this week I struggled with a sore throat and I struggled with a sort of mild virus. What if the alternative is true? If actually I'm sitting next to somebody who's going to infect me with hope, who's actually going to be by my side and infect me with something that's going to help my life over the next week or two, believe for things I can't yet believe. That's why testimonies are so important. That's why it's important to to be able to share each other's stories. To share um, life life happens and Tish, I'm going to use you as an example, but I hope you don't mind. It's, it, you don't know what I'm going to say right now. But but Tish and Wayne, they they had a dog that died a year and a half ago, was it? Almost a year ago, and I sort of said, "Are you going to get another dog?" He said, "We need time." And then I thought she was going to share her testimony today of you know, going to fetch this new puppy on Friday or something. And so if you want to see Tish wag her tail, ask her about her puppy. Um, what, what am I trying to say there? What, where, it, what, where I'm trying to go is that just as it's not appropriate to say, here's the puppy the day after your dog's died. So it takes time for hope to rise up where I'm struggling with hopelessness. And the thing that's so damaging in churches is where we try and shortcut um, shortcut processes for people. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? In that for this to be a place of hope people have to be able to be where they are but be drawn toward hope at their own pace and to have have people who accept them where they are and not feeling guilty because I'm not feeling joyful today. You cannot be joyful, but you can know God's presence. And it's a wonderful thing. So the hope that we're talking about in this boat of everybody rowing together is the hope that says, you can be exactly where you are, but I'm praying for God to raise up hope in you. And that takes time sometimes. I think actually most times. 
rigidity is another thing that they weren't going to keep in the boat. And I'm not going to, I don't want to speak about the negative very much. But rigidity is just religious. It's, it's, it's not just religious, actually. It's any mindset that's just absolutely solid. And it just says, this is the way it is. We want to be a church where we say, this is what we've learned so far, but we're still learning. This is what I believe now, but I've still got lots to learn. So the way that you counter rigidity is you never stop asking questions. You never stop listening. You never stop learning. So Jesus was in a boat, the boat of his life. And it wasn't the greatest boat. If I was Jesus, I wouldn't have volunteered to be born at the time that Jesus was born. It was very oppressive. He was born into a place where the Romans ruled and they ruled with a barbaric spirit. They allowed everybody to have their own gods. They allowed everybody to do their own thing as long as they submitted to Caesar. And if the Romans came in here or the early Christians came in here and they saw that up on the wall, they'd go, what is this? That is the most terrifying symbol in our lives. That is what Jesus was terrified of being, crucified. They knew what the cruelty was. They saw it, they experienced it. You could be stoned for all kinds of things. And the rigid, the rigid uh, Jews would stone other people. It was a violent society. Life was cheap. Children died, disease was rampant, 70% of the population was poor. It wasn't an easy place to live. It wasn't an easy boat to climb in. And Jesus was in that boat. And he had every reason to say, how on earth do I actually communicate to the world that God is love in this culture? How on earth? I don't have internet. I don't have a microphone. I don't have recordings. I don't have books. I don't have anything that would make sense of this. And God said, I'll fly and you be my co-pilot and we're going to infect the world. One by one, until it spreads like a disease, but it's going to be a blessing. There is some hope. What does that hope mean? When you feel most inconsequential, when you feel most insignificant, when you feel nothing is changing. Remember Jesus in his boat. And before he was crucified, everybody he had invested in had dis disappeared. Everyone he believed in had betrayed him. Everybody he had hoped for had said, we're out of here. And so on the cross, even his father, he says, why did you leave me? Because he had to experience the fullness of abandonment, God's judgment of his sin. And he never jumped out the boat. There are a lot of people who jump ship when it gets hard. There are a lot of people who jump ship. What happens when you're in the boat? Because you know, with everything that floats, you have a honeymoon period. It's all great. And then after a while, we get tired. We get used to this boat. I want a bigger boat. I want a fancier boat. I don't like the way you row. I don't like the way you smell. I don't like the way you grunt. I don't like the way you talk. I don't like, I don't like you. So we say, um, I prayed last night and we believe the Lord's calling us to leave the ship. And I would say 99% of the time you're not hearing the Lord, you're hearing yourself. 
Because it's precisely at that moment the Lord says, now you need to be in the boat. And now you need to have hope. And now you need to demonstrate what it looks like. When everything around you is saying, don't have any. That's when it's powerful. Rigidity tends to blame everybody else for circumstances. Rigidity tends to walk by laws and rules. and The Bible says... Rigidity never gets very personal. It's, re, re, it's, it's, it's run through behavior. And if you do the right thing, in my opinion. What happens to us when our opinions aren't being heard? What happens to us when our stuff isn't being attended to? What happens when we don't get our own way? What happens to hope at that point? Because life in a boat can be tough. It can also be very powerful because when you're all synchronized, you, make, you move. So listen to Jesus. Jesus is in his boat and he's uh, traveling around in this very hostile area. And he's traveling, I mean, his boat is bad. It's not only the Romans, he's also in this Jewish Religion that is so bound and is so traditional and is so tightly, man, uh, tightly controlled. And he's already had to grow up in this context, go up to the temple four times a year. He's had to listen to sermon after sermon after sermon in synagogues as he's growing up. And he's saying to his father, Dad, what do I do here? Imagine being Jesus. When you... You see the hypocrisy. You see the religion. You see. And yet he waited and he rode in that boat for 30 years until he was told, now's the time. And he gets anointed for his ministry because before that, he had no power to do what he needed to do. Some people go, oh, Jesus saw everything. He knew everything because he was the son of God. No, he became human. He became man. He was, he was restricted to the capacity we have. So he had to be anointed with the Spirit just as we have to be anointed with the Spirit. Otherwise he had no power. If it was any other way, then there is no hope for us. Because he is God's model to us of what it looks like to be human filled with the Spirit. So Jesus is in the synagogue again. On the Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues and a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Amazing. I'd love to have that woman here to interview. What were you thinking? Why didn't you just stay home? You know how low women were regarded in Jesus' time? They had no voice. They had no identity. This woman turned up at the synagogue. 18 years she was crippled over. She didn't know what was wrong with her. It tells us there was a spirit of infirmity. In other words, there was a demonic presence in her that caused this physical reaction. And Jesus was teaching. And as he was teaching... He noticed her. Now a good teacher is intent on getting the facts across. 
But Jesus' teaching was saying, I'm not really wanting to just teach you from facts. I'm wanting you to show you the power of God. And I'm not using this woman as an illustration. I'm actually responding to this woman. She's not an t- object for me to teach through. She's actually somebody who has evoked in me a response of compassion and discernment. And so he stops his teaching and he says to her, woman, come up here. Now to call the woman up forward was probably radical because the men were so full of themselves, they wouldn't have talked to a woman. I mean, if you want to look at Jesus, I I keep seeing this with him. Why do you rock the boat? Using our analogy, why do you keep rocking the boat? Because you know what's going to happen. You're offending the people who like their boat all tidy and not on Sundays. We like everything as we have determined it should be. When I wrote my book, Googling God, I le- I, I was, and I wanted to have a publisher, the publisher told me, if you take out the section about speaking in tongues, you'll have a greater audience. It'll offend a lot of the evangelicals. So they took it out. And then when I sort of republished it, which nobody reads anyway, but when I republished it, I put it back in. Because we, we want you to conform. Because this is how we see things. And we say, oh, but I would never be like that. And you say, I bet you would. We all would. We all have our capacities. We all have our world views and our mindsets. So we often say, oh, but if Jesus was here, if I was there and Jesus is here, it would never be that way. Yes, it would. Our choice is what happens when it bumps up against us. And so Jesus called this woman up because she was hopeless. And he had hope. And one of the hardest things for us to keep on pressing through is it's so easy for us to just talk but not see anything change. And Jesus had come to say, God has come that the kingdom might be present, that there would be power encounters on earth as in heaven, that people's lives would be transformed. Not just by their trying harder to be a good Christian, but actually to experience the presence of God setting them free in ways that only he can do. And he calls her up and she comes up all stooped. And what does he say? Let me, let me just read it again. He called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. And then he put his hands on her and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Imagine that. She comes up and he says, You're you're set free from your infirmity. He doesn't humiliate her. He doesn't actually make her feel bad in any way. He doesn't say, This is your issue. He just says, Be free. Then he lays his hand on her and she stands up and says, Whoa! Isn't that amazing? 18 years. So I want to ask her, how did you deal with it for 18 years? And I think about that and think, maybe she says, I didn't know what was wrong. I just knew that my body was hurting and I couldn't stand up straight and then I just had to live with this. And so she came to the synagogue week after week and there was no hope at the synagogue. 
there was maintenance, which is many churches. I don't come with any expectation of change or healing. I just come so God will help me bear my suffering because God gives us a cross to bear, which is a lie. He doesn't have crosses to give us. You don't give your children crosses, why would he give you crosses? They come from all over the place, but they're not his gift to you. He uses every circumstance to draw us into an awareness of his presence and his love for us, but he never gives it to you. A lot of people get confused and think God gives you suffering. If God gives you suffering, how do you worship him and say, thank you God, hit me again? That's when you get hopeless. You get hopeless when you identify your circumstance with God. And when you begin to start saying, God has caused this to happen to me, that's when you get hopeless. Because the one who he says loves you with a depth of love that you don't imagine is also the one who is causing your affliction. And if that is the case, then you are hopeless. Because there's no one to cry out to. So God so loved the world that in our hopelessness he sent his son to give us hope in the midst of the trials and tribulations which we have. And this woman he calls out and he says, your infirmity is healed. And he comes against demonic presence and that woman is healed. And you go, well why doesn't that happen all the time? I don't know the answer to that. It's one of the reasons why we want to keep on praying for people. We want to keep on saying, Lord, we bless people. But maybe that woman never gave up hope. Maybe that place was, even in its complete dysfunction and its complete loss of vision, it was the only place in her world where there was at least a mention of a God who she hoped was true and believed and she turned up that day. And then all heaven broke loose. Because she would have been known all over the place. And suddenly she's strutting her stuff in the streets going, look what happened. And her God's alive. But what also happens? The anger that rose up in the leadership. The anger that rose up in those who were in charge of the synagogue. Why don't you do this another day? You ask Jesus, Jesus, why didn't you just send one of the disciples and say, I'll meet you tomorrow and we'll pray over you. So we, we don't want to offend anyone. You see how much Jesus offends in his life, in his ministry? How he has the courage to come against the status quo? How to do what he did caused offense? That's why I wrote in the trail notes and I still say, what offends you? How easily offended are we? What causes us to throw our toys out the boat and say, I'm not coming here anymore? That's when the Spirit of God is really evident in us. It's not on the good days, it's on the worst days. And on the worst days, Jesus reaches out and he says, come, come to me. I just have a, a sense that this morning there are some people who you, you're like this crippled woman. You've, got, you've learned to live with whatever it is that you're struggling with. And God wants to encourage you and say, don't accept it as your final curse. And Father, I pray over anyone here this morning who feels crippled inside 
always feels bent under the burden of something that they've struggled with for years and years and years, 18 years. And I break the curse that is upon them in the name of Jesus. I break the curse that has come down from family. I break the curse that has come down from self-talk. I break the curse that has come from other people speaking over their lives. And Father, I speak freedom to them in the name of Jesus. In the mystery of your name, I speak freedom in the name of Jesus. And I cause them to rise up on the inside, to stand up strong and straight in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, come. Let us not just talk about what you did 2,000 years ago. Lord, will you do today what you did then? And may may our hope rest on testimonies of victories that make us amazed at who you are. I think I'm not going to go on for much longer. I don't think, I think I've said what I need to say this morning. Just wherever you need hope right now, listen to the Lord speaking to you. Father, I pray that you just take something out of these short words and make them real. If you're looking at your circumstances, maybe look away from your circumstances and let Jesus just come to you. And you say, I don't even know who Jesus is. And he says, well, it doesn't matter because he knows who you are. So just say, Jesus, whoever you are, I ask you to come into my circumstances, but to come into me and to help me to be the man or woman that will find strength and hope in the midst of wherever I am right now. Thank you for your love for me. Thank you for your presence with me. I love the way Paul always writes about his circumstances because he was one of these big-time evangelists who didn't wear a white suit. He wore prison clothes most of the time and chains. And yet he spoke with such power about freedom and about hope in the midst of his suffering. In Philippians 4, you could do well to meditate on that chapter. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you who I love and I long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. Verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. If you want to meditate, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. And here's Paul's hope in its most powerful way. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need. For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Let's stand and receive from God all that he has for us, for our lives right now. He knows exactly who you are. He knows your situation. He knows your temperament. He knows your character. 
He knows where you're crippled up. He knows where you stand up strong. He knows how you think about him. He knows what you've done wrong. And he loves you with a passion that would leave you totally, totally speechless. He says, I haven't, forgiven, I haven't uh, forgotten you. I haven't given up on you. I actually don't feel hopeless about you. And if anybody should be hopeless, it should be me about you. Because you promise things, you don't do it. You make declarations in church and you forget it the next day. You're all kinds of things. And he's saying that with a smile, by the way. Because he says, I know you. You're my much-loved child, but you also need me. And I love to give good gifts to my children. And I give them again and again and again. 